welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna, and alongside me, as always, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, uh, we, we have a lot more playoff hockey to talk about, some good things, some bad things. Before we get into all of that, how have you been since last week's episode? Uh, not much to complain about. Uh, mostly the same old, same old. Like you said, some good and some bad uh, to talk about in regard to the Penguins and the playoffs. So i uh, excited to get that started. So let's let's dive right into it. And uh, seeing how uh, last week we only had game one to discuss, uh, this week we will discuss games two through five, uh, albeit maybe in, 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 a, in a bridged version. Uh, I'm not going to go full length into uh, a super long recap segment here uh, regarding these games. Pittsburgh, uh, as we bring this podcast to you on uh, the evening of May 12th, 2022, currently holds a 3-2 series lead over the New York Rangers, most recently losing uh, their last game in the Garden on May 11th. They lose that contest uh, by a score of 5-3. to three. And, Robbie, uh, let's talk about last game, uh, the, the most recent game, obviously the one that was going to have the the most time-sensitive headlines. Uh, Jake Gensel and Chris Letang get the Penguins uh, off and running on the scoreboard, at least. Jake Gensel gets his sixth goal of the playoffs already. Pittsburgh out to a one nothing lead at the halfway point of the first period. And into the second period, Chris Letang gets his first goal of the postseason. Pittsburgh goes up 2 to nothing, And uh, from that point forward, uh, at least up to that point, I should say, the Penguins looked very much in control. Madison Square Garden had quieted down quite a bit. It looked like the Penguins were well on their way to uh, eliminating the Rangers from postseason contention. And then, uh, as I'm sure many of you who are listening to this now obviously already know, Sidney Crosby leaves the game with an apparent head injury, uh, officially classified as an upper body injury by Mike Sullivan after a hit from Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba. And from that point forward, Crosby leaves the ice Adam Fox, Alexi Lafreniere, and Jacob Truba himself would score three straight goals for the Rangers. However, at the 18.06 mark of the second period, Jake Gensel would get his seventh goal of the postseason. The game is tied at three uh, heading into the third period. The Penguins lose their captain. Philip Hedl on the power play would give the Rangers the lead, and Ryan Lindgren would add an empty net goal, uh, like I mentioned New York wins 5-3 to three over Pittsburgh, but Robbie, perhaps the biggest piece of news is the uncertainty surrounding Sidney Crosby. Uh, we, uh, his, his history of head injuries is well documented. We're not going to go into that long history here, but let's talk about moving forward. Uh, game six in Pittsburgh. Um, there's a lot riding on this game. We don't know Crosby's availability as of yet, but you have to think, Robbie, what is potentially the final home game, uh, granted, because if, if the Rangers do force a game seven, it would be in Madison Square Garden. This is, in theory at least, the final home game. Uh, Sidney Crosby's availability uncertain. Evgeny Malkin and uh, Chris Letang looking to pick up that slack. 
What do you make of the Truba hit? What do you make of Sidney Crosby's uncertain status heading into game six? Do you still like the Penguins' chances with a three to two series lead? Uh, Robbie, just just let it all out. What what were your thoughts from the last couple of games, and what are your thoughts on the Crosby injury moving forward? I mean, it's oh man, certainly frustrating uh, for obvious reasons uh, because again, the Penguins had that game uh, pretty much in control, up to nothing. Um, the Garden is silent. You had beaten Shesterkin twice. And all of a sudden, it flips on its head because of an elbow to the head of Sidney Crosby that knocks him out of that contest. That line with Crosby, Gensel, and Rust has been nearly unstoppable in this series. Rangers had no answer, whether it was on home ice or in Pittsburgh. Thoroughly dominant. Jake Gensel had the first goal in that game, uh, obviously a part of that top line. And the game just flips 180 after that hit. The Rangers score uh, right after that, and it's obviously frustrating for Penguins fans because you hear, I mean, you just, I mean, you see the 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 shoulder or elbow contact Crosby's head. You see him go down. You see him go to the locker room, and you see the replays and the way he's playing, and he's just so important to everything the Penguins do, obviously. But not only that, the lack of any kind of repercussions for Truba in this situation. Uh, no penalty was called on the play. No supplemental discipline uh, will be coming down from the league. And this is not the first instance that Jacob Truba has um, injured a player with a dangerous high hit. He has taken Nathan McKinnon out. He's taken other players out. He Early in the game, he elbowed uh, Jake Gensel in the head and was called for an elbow elbowing penalty that uh, the Penguins didn't, were not able to take advantage of. But, I mean, you had... That series in control, you were on your way to probably advancing uh, last night in game five, and then everything gets thrown in um, to question. The Rangers come back, um, they win that game, and then you have just, yeah, it's just you don't know now. Uh, Louis Domingue, as good as he's played and as much as he's kept the Penguins in it, you probably like a save on one of them. Uh, four shots last night, four goals to go in. Uh, you, um, it just, it's incredibly frustrating because now, obviously, the storyline now is Sidney Crosby. Uh, what will he play in Game Six, or will he be available for Game Seven if that if it goes to that? Uh, what's the status of Tristan Jari? Um, but again, the the big storylines are going to be surrounding Sidney Crosby, and we probably won't know anything more. Uh, until around game time tomorrow night. Um, we'll probably know something depending on how they hold the morning skate, whether or not he goes. Um, Redeems a Horna has been called up from Wilkes-Barre, uh, so that may be an ominous sign that people are looking at. Uh, now, Mike Sullivan did say that he's being evaluated for an upper body injury, which is obviously extremely generic and what to be expected. There were some rumors that it is, in fact, a concussion, but nobody has uh, confirmed that outside of uh, at least official sources from the Penguins themselves. So, obviously, I mean, you go from what felt like you were cruising in that series, a series that nobody expected you to to win to begin with, to, okay, yeah, you get game six on home ice, the Rangers still have a lot of work to do, but there was a very strong potential that you were without your best player. And the way the Penguins just kind of 
fell apart after that injury. They did come back and tie 3-3, so there was some resiliency there. But, again, mistakes were made by Mike Sullivan. I think he should have gone Evgeny Malkin to that top line uh, immediately, not put Jeff Carter on that top line, which led to the first goal. I think if Malkin goes to that top line, the Rangers probably don't score, and that game more than likely turns out a lot differently. Uh, I think there's obviously a lot of questions to be asked about um, what happened after that. It just seems like a team that is veteran, as veteran-laden as the Penguins just kind of let that get away from them a little bit. Uh, the shock of losing Crosby, uh, and then once the Rangers got that first goal, it just seems like a lot of things just fell apart very quickly. Again, the Penguins were able to tie it. 3-3 after falling down 3-2 briefly. Jake Gensel scored again. So, I mean, you had, like, there was a nice response. And really in the third period, the Penguins still, even after falling down 4-3, there were chances. It just, um, it just wasn't all, uh, it just, they just couldn't get the tying goal to force another overtime. So, I mean, the storyline heading back to Pittsburgh now for game six is obviously all eyes are going to be on Crosby. We'll know more about the status of a lot of guys tomorrow. That includes Tristan Jari, who is uh, taking shots. He took shots before game five at the Garden. Uh, Ricard Raquel, who was a game-time decision on uh, on Monday or Wednesday night, will, I would assume, be another game-time decision on Friday night. But um, more, I would say if Crosby's out, you'd more than likely see Raquel uh, hopefully ready to jump back in. And he's not a center, obviously, but... Uh, getting him back in the way he was playing uh, would be really nice uh, to get him back in the lineup. Uh, and then uh, what if Crosby's out, what do they do? My my opinion would be uh, going with Gensel, Rust, and Malkin on that top line, moving Rodriguez to the second center position with um, Zucker and um, I would I'd say Kapner or Raquel, depending on how um, it all shakes out, depending on Raquel's status. I keep Jeff Carter in the bottom six, and obviously you're not going to break up uh, your fourth line and stuff like that. But my, what I do is I try to gun up that top line. Malkin has had success with Rust and Gensel in the past, so it wouldn't be anything um, uh, too shocking uh, to see that. And that's personally what I would do, and I hope Mike Sullivan uh, goes with that as well. So yeah, that, the big storyline when we go through the day tomorrow or Friday uh, will be to see uh, what the lines are, what the Crosby situation is. Uh, we're not going to know a whole lot until um, at least after any morning skate or maybe even closer to game time, uh, what Crosby's status is. You can only hope for the best at this point um, going forward and just hope that um, he is ready to go for game six because he's been so important in this series. Uh, having him out there, is just it just changes what the Penguins can do so much. The Penguins uh, obviously uh, are going to miss the presence of, of Sidney Crosby if he isn't ready to go for Game 6. Uh, at, like Robbie mentioned, I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming hours uh, what his status is. Robbie, you did mention a couple of things there. If Crosby is unable to go, the potential return of players like Tristan Jari and Ricard Raquel will certainly soften that blow uh, for this Penguins team. Looking at Domingue's stats, it, it's been a, a fantastic story. The spicy pork and broccoli, he, he's become a, a bit of a, a cult-like figure in, in, in this town already. But 
I would take a, a 75 or 80 percent healthy Tristan Jari at this point over Louis Domingue. Uh, a 900 save percentage, a 3.56 goals against. He has done his job and, and, and done it admirably uh, when called upon has Domingue. But uh, we're, we're getting into the nitty gritty here. You have the chance to go for the kill shot in game six as well as game seven if it gets to that point. Uh Mike Sullivan has continuously said that Jari, Jari's progress has been exceptional, very strong, using all of those superlatives to describe Tristan Jari's uh, rehabilitation process. He could start game six. Uh, that is pure speculation on my part. No official sources have said anything uh, out of the ordinary regarding Jari's status. The same thing goes for Raquel. He would be an immediate boost to that top six should Crosby be forced to miss time. Robbie, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. Uh, the Penguins have a lot of veteran players, as you mentioned. They have a lot of players also with loads and loads of Stanley Cup playoff experience. Should Crosby be able, or should Crosby miss time? How much faith do you have in this team? Because they looked very discombobulated in that two to three, it was just a two to three minute stretch in, in game five where the Rangers, they just came with all of that pressure scoring three straight goals and uh, uh, eventually getting the win off of that momentum. It was just that three three minute stretch right after Crosby leaves, where they the the Penguins look like a completely different team for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I was hoping that with Crosby not on the ice, that uh, Evgeny Malkin would step up and leave his presence felt. He left his presence felt in Game Five, but he was uh, his presence was largely in the penalty box for the remaining twenty minutes of Game Five in period number three. How much faith, Robbie, do you have in this team with experienced players like Malkin, Latang, Gensel, Rust? Can this Penguins team beat the Rangers and end this series without Sidney Crosby to give Crosby and perhaps some other players like Brian Dumoulin, who we haven't mentioned? Can this Penguins team without Crosby beat the Rangers and move forward? I, I think so. I, I like to think so. I mean, Crosby's been so important in the series. You're taking out a huge chunk of, um, I mean, you're basically taking away the best player. It'd be like taking away um, Shesterkin on a permanent basis from uh, the, the Rangers. It would just be that simple. There's no player on the ice that has the effect that Crosby does for the Penguins. And uh, maybe Jake, but Jake Gensel, again, he has that, that vibe with Crosby. So, I mean, Gensel, he's going to probably, he's going to, uh, hopefully get his shots in his offense, even if it's with Malkin. Uh, so that part, I'm not as worried about. It's just he, Crosby is just such a calming presence. He wears the C for a reason. I mean, he's been the Penguins captain for like eight, 15 years now, something like that. I can't even remember, like, remember exactly. So it's, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating um, how it all played out. And there's a lot to still... I mean, everybody wants to kind of the, like today. It felt like everybody was writing back to writing the Penguins obituaries about the see they can't do this or not. Listen, you're gonna be at home ice. You've already just blitzed them twice on home ice. You're gonna get. You've already dominated them five on five at the Garden. You're gonna get the most favorable matchups possible. We obviously hope Sid can go. If he can't, 
you 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 just mix the lines up and you do with what you can. Again, this is a team that it, guys that even the younger guys have already seen so much. They're so veteran heavy. These guys have been through the ringer. Your big three have won multiple Stanley Cups together. Even I mean Carter's a two-time Stanley Cup champion himself. Matheson is um, is experienced. Brian Doolin's experienced. Um, Pedersen and Marino are not young guns anymore. I mean, they're younger, but they're not. I mean, they're not rookies. Chad Ruedel's been there, done that. Tristan Jari is probably your least experience of all of these of all these guys. And all season we talk about, man, this the way Jari's playing now, he can make up for. Uh, last year in the playoffs and I mean hopefully he gets that chance to at least go out there and prove that he can wipe away last year's struggles and he unfortunately hasn't had that opportunity because of the injury uh, so I think that I mean it's a new game you're starting at 0-0 you still lead the series you're on home ice and you, again right now you don't know who's playing who's not playing if it's Louis Dominguez goal ideal not really but hey You've scored 14 goals in two games at home in these playoffs. You know you can score against Justerkin. You even scored four last night in a loss. You scored, uh, what was it, four in game one in a win. So you know you can score on this guy. So I don't think the aura of Justerkin is what it was in the Penguins' mind anymore because they can beat them, they can score against them. Uh, They're doing it with deflections. They're doing it with... Scrappy goals are doing it with snipes. So I think you go out, if it's Malkin leading those guys out or if Crosby's good enough to go, the ball's still in your court. You go out, you take care of business at home, and you just keep playing the game the way you've been playing it. Because, again, they're obviously swallowing whistles for the most part outside of anything uh, completely crazy. Malkin going unhinged, he's been doing that for 15 years. That's not really... Really, obviously, if Crosby's not there, you hope that he can tone it down a little bit. But if you go out there tomorrow night and you play your hockey game the way you've played in the three games you've won, and really, for the most part in this series, they've dominated them five on five outside of you had that stretch in game five that you talked about, the three minutes where it just all came apart. Uh, The third period in game two where it kind of just all came apart and the second period in game three where you let up three goals and let them back in the game that you eventually still won, you know, you can control that game five on five, go out there, be disciplined, play your game, get shots on Sisterkin. He's not, he's, he's a goalie, not a God. And I think the Penguins have proven that in this series. Uh, Just go out there on Friday night, play your game and take care of business. And uh, here's hoping, before we switch segments here, here's hoping that that PPG Paints Arena crowd for Game 6 is hot and hopping because um, while I I won't lend too much credence to the fact that uh, uh, an opposing crowd can get into uh, a player's head like like it has with Shesterkin, the Penguins scoring 14 goals on home ice, like you mentioned there, uh, it, it, it can't be something that can be ignored. I'm not one to typically say, oh, the crowd is the difference here. But there have uh, been some statistics that the Penguins have put up on home ice that lead me to believe that 
when they're in their comfy confines of Pittsburgh PPG Paints Arena, when they have that crowd going for them, the crowd is going to know the significance of this game. Whether Crosby plays or not, the, the, the crowd is going to know the significance of this game six and what it could mean for the remainder of the series and the remainder of the postseason run for however long that is. Here's hoping that crowd is hot. Here's hoping the Penguins come out with uh, as much fire as as they can be given by Mike Sullivan, Evgeny Malkin, and all of the team leaders, whether Crosby is there or not. They know what to do. Let's see if they can do it at home and put the Rangers to bed once and for all. Let's switch now to our mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener uh, and you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we will put out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. Uh, Robbie, this week we have six questions. Like always, you'll get question number one, and question number one comes from Brian. I've been Jason Zucker's biggest critic, mainly because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But the way he came back from injury in Game 3 was impressive. He was a force on the forecheck. Can you speak to Jason Zucker's importance to the team? Yeah, I mean, especially now, we don't know what's going on with with Sid here and with Raquel being out. Uh, Zucker's been a breath of life into uh, the Penguins, and it's been really extremely... Uh, refreshing to see him healthy for more than what felt like a shift or two. And that is the guy that they traded for uh, when he came over from Minnesota. And it's just really great to see him get the opportunity in this position to shine like that because he never really had that opportunity during his time in Pittsburgh. And he's been very, very good since he came back. He's been fast he's been energetic he should have plenty of energy the legs should be fresh after all the games he missed this year uh the play he made to set up malkin that eventually led to the latangle in game five on the two-on-one just i mean that's the kind of stuff like he'll get the assist but the way he made the play just getting it out there and just taking the guy out of the play making a two-on-one and just setting it up for malkin i mean that's it's beautiful and that's what um, he brings to the table. He's such a good player. I mean, it was there in Minnesota. We saw it. And it's it just, okay, maybe it was the system, the injuries, whatever it was. It just never all fell into place uh, in Pittsburgh. But now it kind of is. Um, and he's been such a breath of fresh air in this lineup. And we hope that he can keep it going, especially um, with Crosby out. They're going to need the depth scoring from somewhere. Um, and with Raquel out, he's been a great fill-in with Raquel out, and if they get Raquel back, maybe that helps free up Zucker to do a little bit more, uh, and he can have an even bigger impact, but his um, uh, contributions to this team since coming back uh, in Game 3 have been uh, exemplary. Uh, question number two from Brian. Again, I really like to know how Cappy has been playing. If he can start putting the puck in the back of the net along with uh, – Getting along that along with really like to know how Cappy has been playing. If he can start putting the puck in the net along with getting beginning of oh okay along with getting beginning of the year Rodriguez, that's some good depth that will make us hard to beat. I the words were like 
get confusing <laughs> there a little bit. So, so I'll read this off. Really like how Cappy has been playing. If he can start putting the puck in the back of net, along with getting beginning of the year Evan Rodriguez, that's some really good depth that'll make us hard to beat. I, I agree, Brian. It, it would be some fantastic depth, depth. And like Robbie alluded to in his first question, depth may be more important now than ever before in this series, uh, depending on the status of Sidney Crosby. Uh, Mike Sullivan looks like he went out of his way during one of his press conferences to praise Kapanen, saying that Kapanen is playing some of the best hockey uh, of this season right here when it matters most. So it's certainly a confidence booster for Kapanen. In the five games he's played, he only has two assists. And in Evan Rodriguez's, uh, from Rodriguez's point of view, five games, two goals, one assist. So uh, those two contributors there absolutely can be uh, very, very influential depending on the status of Sidney Crosby. Uh, obviously, we know, we've talked about it throughout the season on this podcast, the up and down, hot and cold nature of Casper Kapanen's season. Uh, it seems like he can do everything except put the puck in the back of the net uh, when it matters most. Hopefully he can find some of that finishing ability, combine that with some of his speed. Uh, the pass that he gave to Evgeny Malkin that led to Malkin's backhander on uh, Georgiev earlier in the series was pretty impressive. So we know he has that offensive ability in there somewhere. It's uh, It's just been very hard for it to come out on a consistent basis for Kapanen. And uh, Robbie, I like what you mentioned earlier about if Crosby isn't able to go, having Rodriguez center what would be a hypothetical second line, move Malkin up to the first line with Gensel and Rust, uh, potentially have Raquel, Rodriguez, and and, and Zucker maybe, uh, if that's what you want to do, or Heinen on that second line. I really like that idea. Uh, I would be in favor of that as well. I'd keep Carter in the bottom six and Bluger on the fourth line as well. But back to the original question, yes, uh, both Kapanen and Rodriguez, if they can provide that extra oomph in, in depth scoring for the Penguins, this is going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Question number three for you, Robbie, comes from Brendan. Who is your biggest uh, 2022 draft sleeper? For me, it's Dumay in the 70s per NHL Central Scouting. The Penguins have a first-round pick this year? Uh, yes, they do. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. not traded. That's right. Um, honestly, I'm not up to date on um, all the prospects and stuff like that. The Penguins will be picking, and it all depends on how, obviously, how the next uh, few days or few weeks uh, play out. So, I mean, they're going to be picking. I mean, in the perfect world, we'd say they're picking 32nd, and nothing would really matter. Um, but I, I'm not up to date on necessarily all of the uh, prospects. I know that there's – I think next year's draft is the one where people are really hyping up as could be another franchise-changing draft for uh, whoever's in that top three. There's potential of two or three, like, franchise-changing players. Uh, so I'm not going to – I can't comment um, too much. I know that uh, Jesse Marshall on uh, – uh, on Twitter, he's with uh, uh, The Athletic. He does uh, the podcast with um, Mike uh, Darnay of Pensburg and Pat Damp of uh, KDKA. Um, they do the uh, Dying Alive podcast. Uh, and, and Jesse's really up to date on all that. Uh, some other names here. Chris Peters, who's a big college hockey guy. 
Uh, he so he knows a lot of the uh, the scouting. He also does a bunch of World Juniors coverage uh, or junior hockey in general. So he's pretty up to date. If you want to follow him, he used to write for ESPN, but now I think he does his own uh, on his own. He's independent. He does a Substack um, and a podcast. He's really knowledgeable of prospects and also Hannah Stewart. Uh, she's been at various uh, outlets. She's very up on uh, the young guys, the prospects. She does a lot of uh, World Juniors coverage. She does more from an international side. Uh, Chris Peters is very knowledgeable of the uh, more domestic side um, here in the United States and into Canada, whereas uh, uh, Hannah is more, she knows. I will see her talking about guys from um, overseas, Sweden, Russia, Finland, all that. So if you want some uh, sleepers on that, there's also a lot just by Googling. There's a lot of people that dedicate a lot of time. We're talking NHL, NHL draft level time uh, to covering the NHL prospects. So you can Google and find just about any of them. Uh, another guy real quick, Corey Pronman at the athletic. He does all the prospect uh, farm system rankings for all the teams. Uh, very intelligent, so you can search him out as well. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not the person to uh, ask on that question. So I'll just rather than uh, expand on potential players, I'll just give you some uh, uh, tips on who to follow for that information. Uh, question number four, uh, back to Brendan. Uh, if you have partners, I'm assuming they mean significant others. Are they also crazy Pens fans? You should do a monthly segment where they come on for ten minutes. For one episode, uh, uh, this is sad. <laughs> I, I, uh, love it. I love the idea, Brendan. I I really I do. do. I do. Yeah. I I really do. There's a there's a problem here with um with part of a part of your suggestion is that uh, well I guess I'm going to uh, have this on the internet for the rest of eternity. And I'll let everyone know listening to this that uh, I am currently uh, without a partner. I am currently single. So um, I, I would love to add another segment to the Pensburg podcast, maybe for the 22-23 season. And, hey, there's still time to change that. Maybe between now and <laughs> the, the start of next season, uh, maybe maybe that'll change. Uh, Robbie, I don't know about you, but the, the world now knows that I am single and are ready to mingle. Yeah, same boat, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, you never know when it could change. And hey, that would be a fun, uh, a fun uh, addition to the uh, podcast if that opportunity ever prevented itself. So while we cannot partake in that at this very moment, it's definitely something to keep uh, in the uh, in the idea bank in case you know the luck ever changes. Absolutely. I agree with you there. Question number five for you comes from Brendan as well. Why does everyone hate NHL broadcaster Leah Hextall? So Leah Hextall has been calling a lot of the uh, Western Conference games, especially out in like uh, Calgary, Edmonton, games like that. And so I haven't – usually when I have them on, I just have them on as like I, I'll maybe even mute them. I won't even necessarily – uh, have them on to uh, to listen to. Uh, so my, I don't really have a good take on Leah Hextall because I haven't listened to her enough. But my take from reading on Twitter is just that 
she's very unseasoned uh, for a play-by-play person. Uh, not that her knowledge of the game is bad or anything like that. It's just for this situation, it's maybe not um, the best option ESPN has at the moment. She's just very unseasoned uh, as a as a play-by-play broadcaster. And I don't know exactly. Um, I, I would assume that she's probably not going to uh, be there too much outside of the first round because obviously when everything's cut in half, you can cut your broadcasters in half and stuff as well. So I don't really have a strong take on Leah Hextall. I know she's obviously created some um, talk on the social media. So overall, I just think it's more my the vibe I'm getting is that she's just not quite experienced experience enough uh, for the role she's in right now. Um, I some people said like she's um, her voice is just kind of annoying. I don't can I don't really know. I haven't listened that much to her. Um, obviously, um, like. AJ Malesko, who's a color person for ESPN, uh, she's been tremendous in these playoffs. So my biggest takeaway from the Leah Hextall quote-unquote, uh, or sarta- sarcastic air quotes, uh, controversy is just that she's not quite ready for this for this job. Not that she's bad or she can't get good. She just needs a little more um, smoothing around the edges to uh, be a full-time play-by-play uh, caller for the NHL. Uh, question number six comes from CMR, and this may be um, a first-time answer or asker. I don't know. Um, heard rumors that we might go into a rebuild next season. What do you guys think? I believe CMR is a first-time question asker here on the podcast, so welcome, CMR. Uh, the idea uh, in rumors of a rebuild, uh, I, I don't know if, if these rumors – uh, can hold any water as of yet. Um, then again, I guess it depends on what your definition of a rebuild is. I guess it also depends on the status of Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, who as I'm sure many of you know are unrestricted free agents at the end of this season. So uh, we'll see what Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have up their sleeves in terms of contract negotiations and possible extensions. But I don't think, uh, as far as a full-blown top-to-bottom rebuild, I don't think that's in the Penguins' cards for the foreseeable future, probably for the next couple of years. Uh, I, I'll go out on a limb and say I wouldn't expect a full rebuild until Sidney Crosby has uh, well and officially retired from the game of hockey. Then I will consider it a, a full rebuild with the captain no longer here. Uh, Robbie, uh, let's close it out. What are your thoughts on a potential rebuild heading into next season? Yeah, I kind of uh, have to agree with that as well. Um, I think that, I mean, a lot's going to depend on the situations with uh, Evgeny Malkin and uh, uh, Chris Tang and even Brian Rust, really, uh, this offseason. Obviously, all three of those guys are unrestricted free agents. So there's just the major unrestricted free agents. There's definitely going to be turnover. I I mean, there's only so much money to spend. um, And there's going to be priorities listed like that. Ricard Raquel, maybe even throwing a little wrench into the plans for the Penguins. So yeah, it's going to a full rebuild. No, it's not going to happen until uh, Crosby's gone because then obviously you plan for the future. And again, the Penguins held on to that first round pick this year. Um, there is some depth in this draft from what I do understand from the little knowledge that I do have in the draft. There is some depth uh, there that 
Hey, the Penguins are going to get a player. They held on to that first-round pick. You never know what's going to happen next year. They have the first-round pick next year as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to be able to get some pieces this uh, this season in the draft, or at least restock that farm system a little bit. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, it's all hit or miss in the NHL draft outside of, I mean, guys like Crosby, McDavid, stuff like that. Uh, you never, You never really do know. So, I think overall a full rebuild. No, not until Crosby decides as he's done, um, because I really think they're going to bring back at least Evgeny Malkin. I think they're going to do everything in their power to bring back Chris Letang. Um, so a full a full rebuild. We're still probably, man, I'm going to say three or four years away from a full on um, a rebuild, and um, I think it's kind of a testament to uh, the Penguins franchise as a whole. I mean, look how many teams have gone through multiple rebuilds since the last time the Penguins had to go through a rebuild. So uh, full rebuild. No, not yet. Again, like Garrett said, not till 87 says uh, enough is enough. I'm going to hang him up uh, at the very least. And then uh, there's still going to be plenty of talent around him next year for them to be competitive. Um, uh, that's still on the books. So yeah, I don't see a full rebuild coming um, within the, with definitely not this off season, probably uh, still a few years down the road, despite uh, the age of some of the stars. All right, that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast. And uh, we don't know what the future holds. Next week, we we could be talking about a potential round two matchup, or we could also potentially be giving you the the final Pensburg podcast of the 2022 or the 2021-22 season. Uh, lot, there's a lot yet that has, still has to be decided. What will the status of Sidney Crosby be moving forward? These are all questions that we will eventually get answers to, but we will have to wait and see for those answers. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you all right back here this time next week. <laughs>